Today on the Whatsoever Things show, the guys discuss the resurrection of Jesus. Was it real? What do the skeptics say about it? And I'm going to let you finish, but the resurrection was the greatest event of all time. Of all time. It's another great episode, so get ready. Here we go. Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Whatsoever Things show, a podcast designed to stimulate your mind, tickle your funny bone, and encourage your faith. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is episode three of the Whatsoever Things show. Swoon, not spoon. Welcome to the Whatsoever Things podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, got here to my left, I've got Thomas Hickman. Yo! <laughs> Directly across the table. <laughs> I wanted to do that every time. <laughs> On the south end zone of the field for me, Pastor Daniel. Got Josh Hamlin to got, the, my I, right. I got nothing cool to say. <laughs> Neither do I, don't worry. And then special returning guest, Mr. Mike Hamlin. Yeah, thank, thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're, we're coming at you today from a new location. You're going to hear some echo in the background. But uh, on the string budget we work on, we just find a space we can fit in. So that's where we are today. So we want to thank you again. Uh, today we're going to try to tackle Easter and kind of look at Easter in maybe one or two ways. It's, it's the story of the resurrection. Um, with my faith, my faith is built on two things, the resurrection of Jesus and the ability, as Elijah did, to place a curse on somebody for picking on me for be having a bald head. Yeah, if both of those stay true, my I, faith is solid. I stay clear of you just in case. I don't want to accidentally get cursed. So, um, so with that, we're going to talk about Easter. And this Easter in the year 2021 is going to be uh, different, more different than in any time in the past. Even... More different than 2020 when Easter was more different than any time in the past. Mike, can you think of an Easter, the, the way this world is operating today and where we are sitting as a civilization today? Easter 1611 was pretty rough. You remember well, that one? Well, uh, a lot of things have, have, have changed. You know, we have the, uh, the coronavirus, of course, is a big part of that. But uh, generally speaking, there's a lot of strife out there between political parties, a lot of strife between people in general, and uh, so many different factions in, our, in this country alone, and worldwide, a lot of, uh, a lot of disrupting things and uh, factions that are uh, striving with each other. So we have a lot of strife in the world today, I would say. And how, we're, you know, how are we going to come out of this COVID, but this Easter? Um, if you think about the world we live in today, our government and this is a little Uh-oh, political rant. Mike, be careful. Our government just passed a $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, which less than whatever percent goes to COVID. But this COVID relief bill, not only does oh, it pay very few people money, but this is the first funding relief bill that did not use the, uh, the well, this funding bill, over 800 million goes to fund abortions in the United States. That was the rush of getting this COVID bill out. Is it is it passed completely? Because what I it's, read was it passed been. the Senate, but it's got to go back to the House. Yeah, but it will. It's been it signed. Will pass I thought the House. It will. 
Well, by the time these people listen to it, it'll have passed. Yeah, it would have passed probably. <laughs> yeah. But there's, a, there's an amendment that they use called the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits funding bills from utilizing any of the funding to go towards abortions. And yeah. the, our yeah. government purposely took that amendment out from within this bill. It's in all, always in the bills. And so we're just in a, in a time in 2021, like, you know, potentially we've never seen. So how are we going to come out? How are we going to come out of this COVID? How as Christians are we going to use Easter and the resurrection to tell our story, our First Amendment right? Yeah, I guess that uh, Hyde, Hyde, Hyde Amendment, I think Henry Hyde passed that many years ago. He got it through, got it through Congress and got it through the Senate. And uh, at that time, they were saying that no abortions can be performed without, uh, with taxpayer funds or taxpayer money of any kind. And uh, that, that, that amendment passed and uh, stood strong for many years. But from what I understand, from what you're saying, they've they've taken it out again. There was uh, out of the uh, the Senate, it was 49 to 50 voted. The I guess the Alaskan senator had to fly home for a funeral, but we know the vice president would have made the tying the the tiebreaker vote anyways. Mm-hmm. But um, and so these mm-hmm. times are are just like the times of the um, of e- of Easter of the crucifixion or resurrection. Um, the disciples, you could characterize them as uh, a, it's a time of denial and betrayal. You know, they fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm. They, um, uh, Peter, uh, betrayed Jesus, uh, ran. Um, they, they abandoned him. It was a time of confusion, just like now, time of confusion. You know, wear double mask. Now they're saying you don't have to wear a mask if you have the 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 shot the covid um yeah shot. well i know that for sure their ter- their world was turned upside down um everything the disciples were expecting to happen like the opposite happened and then again and again it was just confusion you're right um but you know we talk about the Re- resurrection sunday this is like the these we said it before this is the center of christianity Everything really hinges on this, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. I think Paul says, I don't know, is it in First Corinthians he says it? or mm-hmm. He says, uh, if, it, if the resurrection didn't happen, our, we are most people to be pitied. You know, you should have pity on us because we're following something that didn't happen. But it did happen, you know, and I think that's, I don't know, it seems like in these days there's a lot of spec, or skepticism towards the resurrection of Christ. Whereas before it was kind of accepted, I think, pretty generally in the last, you know, thousand years or so. But we're kind of in an age of skepticism about it. And I think um, being clear on what's going on, what it is, what we actually believe, I think is important. Right. I mean, you think about every denomination, every person that is a quote-unquote pastor, they're preaching, they're preaching the goodness and the good news. And even if they don't necessarily agree with everything in the Bible, if they're not preaching the resurrection, then that mean <laughs> means it's a yeah. lie, and preachers are a liar, yeah. and that people that believe that it, that's blasphemy against God. If you if you say God did something that He did not do, yeah, there are some I think um, kind of spiritualists or Christian spiritualists, or I don't know, where they say that Jesus didn't physically raised from the dead, but he spiritually raised from the dead. And it was all the disciples and all the people had Jesus, 
experiences and i think they're trying to play towards the you know the naturalism crowd you know more i think wasn't there uh the jesus movement or something that happened jesus seminar the jesus seminar or something where they the leader of that group he he said something like that i think well it's, you guys have probably heard of the shroud you know uh, i shroud guess of turin, yeah, yeah shroud of turin and uh the shroud now the catholic church has had it for centuries and centuries you know so forth and uh, of course, it got damaged by fire a time or two, but uh, I guess uh, I forget what year, decade it was. I'm thinking, the, thinking the 1980s. They, they they let the shroud out for scientists to look at, to examine, oh, yeah, and to yeah. see what that thing. And they found a lot of things. They found pollen there from the Middle East. They found all kinds of things in that shroud. And of course, there was an image on the on the shroud on this piece of cloth. And uh, uh, they said that image was brought about by intense radiation. Intense radiation had made this image get onto this uh, cloth. And, of course, we know that Jesus was raised from the dead by great power and a great an earth, it was an earthquake and, and so forth, and, and great power was going on there. So, you know, I, I think the fact that he was physically raised from the dead is absolutely true. And I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether you believe in the shroud or not, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of a toss-up. But, but you know, I, I believe that this thing did happen, and uh, <clears throat> the Bible accounts are right, you know. Of course, the angel appearing right there, you know, and, of course, the, uh, the guards that were watching over, over the grave at the time they became his dead man. They were afraid of this angel that they saw that looked like, appearance was like lightning, walking around like lightning. <laughs> so these boys, they, they'd seen something they'd never seen before, and they were scared to death, and they took off running. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think this is no doubt uh, that he absolutely did raise from the dead, and there's no question about it. And uh, there's many testimonies to this fact, and uh, uh, I suppose there's some write, ancient writings to this fa- fact, too. But uh, Josephus was a, he was yeah. a historian at the time. And uh, um, he may have recorded some of these things. But he talked to many people, I think, that were somewhat witnesses to this thing. But uh, <clears throat> it's interesting that we, uh, we're talking about this because it is a question that there's many Christians in the world today. Of course, there's other, other religious beliefs. You have the Muslims, you have the, you know, you have the Buddhists, you have uh, a, a lot of different groups. But uh, you know, the, uh, the Christian belief of uh, Jesus Christ coming from the de- uh, being raised from the dead is absolutely true. No question about it. I guess that's about all I had to say about that right now. Said <laughs> enough, but it's a fact. But go ahead. Yes, the Bible provides a lot of authoritative evidence uh, evidence on on the resurrection, and there's logic involved with it as well. Yeah. So as far as uh, you know, the the story of Jesus dying and rising from the dead, the uh, there there are people who are New Testament critics. Our New Testament, uh, what are they? Maybe it is New Skeptics. No, it's, I think it's New Testament criticism. Yeah. Critics, I think is what they're called. Anyways, one, a couple of, the famous one is Bart Ehrman, who kind of hits this stuff. And these are people who are, are very, um, who are, you know, learned, they're professional. But they're, they will even look at the scriptures and say, yeah, the disciples believed that Jesus had rose from the dead. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And so even if they disagree that Jesus rose from the dead, they can at least say, yeah, but it's pretty clear with the writings of the New Testament that he, the disciples believed that he did. Um, and so the really the, the problem I think people have today is that, well, people don't just, people don't come back from the dead. If, if somebody came to you and said, this somebody came back from the dead, they were clearly dead and they came back and then they ascended into heaven and they told you this story on the surface, no, you shouldn't really believe a story like that. That's... That's not normal. But in this case, the reason Christians believe it is 
Well, there's information, and we're given a lot of information. And the more information you find on this, the more you read through the through the Gospels and then into Acts, um, the more you realize this is it gets harder and harder to refute. And I think that's the problem for non-believers. It gets to be pretty hard to refute the evidence of the resurrection. And so, like Paul said, it stands and falls on this, on this, whether it's true or not. And we can get into it as the as the show goes on, but it seems to be true. I mean, I'm yeah. And the disciples were willing to die for Jesus after the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they betrayed him, they denied him, they abandoned him, leading up to it. Yeah. And they were willing to die for him. And and you know, the Bible says he taught and met and walked and ate with over three hundred people. Yeah. That is physical witnesses, and that testimony is the strongest testimony yeah. you have in law, mm-hmm. because there's there's people that could say I was there. They could testify that it did or did not happen, and, yeah. and there's no, there is no evidence that. Uh, I think um, someone I think... said that no, I was there and it did not happen. Right. It, it's it's like uh, either. Josephus or Joseph Aramaeus, you know, they, there was no, they found no evidence that he was a, an actual person until they found a plaque um, a few, not many years ago that had the name. Of and, Joseph Arimathea. Yeah, Joseph Arimathea. I think I did see that. So I guess really before, before we get too far into this, I think we need to say something about miracles in general. So if you're kind of a skeptical-minded person, and some people don't have these problems at all, by the way, uh, Misty, she she has no problems with any kind of miracle claim or anything like that. She has like she's heart minded, you know. Where me, people like me, have a hard time with it, and we want to dig in. We want to know what's true and what's the case. And with miracles, um, you get to a. We all have this thing called a normalcy bias. Everyone walks around with these things, and the the older you are the more you have it, because the more experiences you've had in life, you know what patterns happen and what things are normal and what things aren't normal. And people coming back from the dead is not a thing that is normal that happens on a pattern like that. Um, Jesus, well, not, not dead after three days, but yeah. you know, you know well, I mean, people that have right. heart attacks or whatever. Well, the way Jesus came back, the way and, Jesus so. came back, that's not normal. Yeah. And so if, if your only thing is to say, well, since that's not normal, that's not a pattern I've seen in my life, therefore I'm going to reject it, you're actually committing a fallacy. You can't really discover the truth if you just hold everything to a normalcy bias. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of this. Well, you know, Jesus had the children come to him, and remember, he he told the disciples, "Don't hinder the children from coming to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven." And he says, "Unless you become like this little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven." And I think what Jesus is saying here is, some people see this as saying he's um, telling you to become uh, naive, like his kids are naive. But I don't think that's what he's saying. I think Jesus is saying. You are walking around with your arms folded thinking you know how reality works, how the real world is, and you have no idea how it is. And just like these little kids have no idea how the real world is, that's what you have to become. You have to be able to suspend your normalcy bias every so often if you want to discover truth. It's a tool that you have to put in the toolbox if you're looking for truth. And this goes in every, every um, um, you know field of study or anything like that you can look at if scientists want to discover something new they have to go against the grain of what seems normal uh, you can take um 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. Uh, what's that? Quantum entanglement or something like that. That doesn't seem normal. Ooh. You know what I mean? If you look into <laughs> Thomas, that. Thomas, you and I were just talking about yeah. that. Yes, the other day. we were. We it were doesn't seem a, normal that over, a, a over particle a of tea. 20 miles away reacts to a particle over here at the same time. You know, it doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. You shouldn't. But because they were looking for something out of the ordinary, they suspended their normalcy bias and they discovered truth. They discovered this theory, at least. And so that's what we have to do. We could get into miracles, a whole podcast about it, really. But there are things that happen even in our world today that are miraculous, but because they happen on a constant basis, we call them normal. You could say um, a tree, you could plant a tree in the ground and it pulls up water and phosphorus and potassium and nitrogen, you know, out of the ground. But most of the material from a tree comes out of the air. It pulls it out of the carbon in the air. And so you could look at a tree and say, this 100-year-old oak tree, 10 tons, appeared over time out of thin air. And you could say, that sounds pretty miraculous. Well, it's, we don't say it's miraculous because it happens all the time. You know, It's repeated and repeated yeah, and repeated. And you could say about a lot of things. But I think that's the first step. Right. You, know, that's, you have to be able to suspend normalcy bias. Now that you've done that, you can discover truth. You know? And that's, the, that's where we got to start. Uh, I just like to think especially in this, these times we are, you know, these these disciples, you know, what they were going through. They were a mess just like we are, you know. Their their lives were busy. They're, they they uh, gave up family. Um, they gave up their job. They weren't the most, at least well, Luke was, he was a, a doctor, but the most educated. They weren't the uh, the high priest in their church. And, and to go through this time, uh, from Jesus sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane to um, seeing, hearing him, watching that's, that's him be crucified. That's got dude right there yeah. sweating blood. Yeah. <laughs> and that sweat goes in, that goes life, in but... against one of the theories. He, his, his blood pressure was low from sweating blood in Gethsemane and then going through the full crucifixion. Yeah. Um, and it kind of gets your mind into their heads for back then. The, um, the sec- Second Temple Judaism... You know, after Solomon built the first temple, 100 or 1000 BC, you know, and then they went into captivity and then they, Persia took over and then the Persian king let them come back and build another temple. And from then on, they started to become very, very conservative religious people. And two, you know, two groups kind of sprung up from that. You had the, the Pharisaical group and then you had the Sadducees. And the Pharisees took, took the Old Testament, they took the writings of the prophet and they they came to understand that they're speaking of a, mess, a messianic ruler who is going to rule, and also that there's going to be a resurrection from the dead, that the people who had died, now this was just Jews, this is what they're thinking, not the whole world, just Jews who would rise from the dead, and then he would rule with these, with these resurrected people. And so that's what they're thinking. The Sadducees, by the way, did not believe that. Um, they, they only believed in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Um, and that's how you know. You can remember they're Sadducees because they don't believe in the prophets. They're sad, you see? <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. That's, Amanda Hahn taught me that. Yeah. Uh, I never forgot it. Daniel looks extremely <laughs> proud. <laughs> but um, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking Jesus is going to reign, and the resurrection of the dead is going to happen after that. You know? And when, you know, when Lazarus dies and Mary tells Jesus... You know, I, Jesus says, he's going, I'm going to raise him from the dead. And Mary's like, well, I know, Lord, he's going to be raised from the dead in the resurrection. 
And Jesus says, no, Mary, you don't understand. I'm the resurrection. I'm going to do this. And Jesus is the first fruit of that. And the disciples had no idea that was coming. They had no idea that Jesus, even though he plainly told them throughout the gospels that, you know, they're going to kill me, or at least they're going to try to kill me, but, you know, I can't die for very long. But that was the first fruits of the resurrection, our first fruit of all of that. And then yes. it all came to them. You know, I think yes. in the upper room, it really, the, the Holy Spirit really yes. showed them. Well, the the Easter and the resurrection is, it is central to our faith. And some say it is the most well-attested event in history. And it has always stood the 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 uh, testing and the evidence. And um, so, I mean, like what are, I guess we should probably mention some of the, the criticisms. Yes. Let me start out though. I, just, sure. I don't want to forget yeah, to say this. It. So, and I texted mm-hmm. to you all, it was Mark, it's a, it's Mark um, 15, 15. And um, this is with uh, Pilate and Barnabas and Jesus are in front and he has to decide who is going to be crucified? And Pilate wants to pick Barnabas. Barabbas. Barabbas. Mm-hmm. Did I say Barnabas? Barabbas. <laughs> yeah, Barabbas. And he went with the crowd and picked Jesus. Yeah. And that Mark 15, 15, and it says, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. Yeah. He had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. And so... I'm using the wanting to satisfy the crowd. Yeah. What does that mean? Do we want to satisfy the crowd or hold up to our faith? Thomas? I think as humans, we, <laughs> for whatever reason, we want to satisfy the crowd. You know what I mean? We don't want to stand out because it's harder that way. If you, if you stand out, if you satisfy the crowd <laughs> and the people around you are happy, life's easier that way. I mean, something that's interesting about Barabbas, that when you brought that up, made me think, you know, he was in his jail cell fixing to be crucified. He knew it was coming. And then the jail cell was opened and they told him, Barabbas, you're free to go. And this guy started a rebellion against Rome. I mean, he was Rome's enemy and he's walking out of his jail cell and you can almost picture him looking over his shoulder and there's crosses on the hill. And he's like, I don't know who that guy in the middle is, but he has taken my place. I should have been on that cross. And now here I am walking out of prison and I think that is the Christian message, you know. Here we are, free from eternal damnation, really, from just torment. And that guy in the middle mm-hmm. took our spot. And I think, uh, you know, I, I know you were talking about satisfying the crowd and stuff, but I just that just came to me like, man, we're so lucky, we're so fortunate to have a Savior like Jesus. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, satisfying the crowd, that's uh, something that... Uh, it always happens many times. I think, I think Pilate <clears throat> in that situation there at first he wanted to let Jesus go. You know, so I see no reason to, to have this man punished. I, he doesn't seem to be, uh, and he should have no charges against him. I don't see anything wrong with him, but they kept on him and kept on him and they kept getting louder and louder and making charges about Caesar. You know, he's no friends of Caesar's if you don't. You're no friends of Caesar's if you don't have him executed, and so forth and so on. So Pilate became, he, he gave into the pressure of the crowd and. I, and I think that can that can happen in anybody's life. Politicians are that way, and of course, us as individuals can be that way too. You know, we can get into a spot where everybody's lined up against us, 
saying the opposite of what we're trying to say, uh, trying trying to get the point across. And you know, sometimes we have to go against the grain, and it's not a happy situation to be in, but sometimes it has to be done. And uh, but Pilate, he he gave in. Of course, uh, we know also in the Bible that uh, with John the Baptist with uh, King Herod there, I guess Herod gave in to to, uh, to the pit to the guests that were with him. Because uh, what's her name? Uh, Salome, was it? Gave, a, gave that dance and everything. But uh, he gave in to pressure, too. Mm-hmm. He had people staring at him. You know, are you going to stick with your promise or what? You know, he, he done made the promise. He, you kinda, know, he just didn't give in to it. Kind of brings up Peter, too. Peter kind of gave in. He, they said, weren't you with him? And, you know, yeah. he's like, no, it wasn't me. Yeah. It's, it's a tough spot to be in. I, know, I don't blame Peter. I mean, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to be stuck a on a cross. Spot. All right, Thomas, what do you got for us? Um, so we, uh, I kind of thought it would be a, a good idea. I don't even know if good idea is the, the right. right word, but it might be interesting if uh, one of us, and we just decided it would be me, plays the devil's advocate here. So, you know, try to question why the, the resurrection, why it's important and or did it happen. Um, and there's, there's three main theories as to... Um, refute it, I guess might be the the right word. And I guess the first one would be the swoon theory where Jesus didn't die. He just passed out. Swoon, not spoon, Josh. I, I Josh, thought it was, Josh is getting hungry. I thought here. it was the spoon theory. <laughs> uh, the swoon theory where Jesus didn't die. He just, um, he had passed out from, from all of his injuries and the torment he had. And so they just took him away. And then after three days, he was kind of, kind of recuperated and then came up um, and was walking around, and that's where he resurrected. He died. So, what do you what do you have to say about that, Josh? What do you think, Dad? Oh, he's gonna pass the buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, really, you know, if you look at all the evidence and all all the scriptures yep. and all the things that are written about it, and uh, a certain amount of archaeological evidence to go along with it too, I believe, uh, you know, you have to believe that he was raised from the dead. Another thing I was thinking about was those soldiers who were guarding the tomb. Yeah. When they went back to talk mm-hmm. to the high priest, uh, they said, yeah, this angel showed up. I guess he was an angel who looked like lightning. We don't know what he was, you know. And, uh, you know, the stone was rolled back, and, you know, we just got out of there. But, <laughs> but uh, well, he says, I'll tell you what, you, you go back to Pilate and don't say, don't say anything about it. And if the word comes back, you have any trouble about this thing, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll help you out of it. And here's some money to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Yeah. You know How much about money that. are we talking here? And I also, think... this thing this thing is also circulated throughout the Jews for quite a long time, for, for quite a period of time. It mentions that in the Bible, Bible as well. So the Jews and the Israelites knew about this thing. I mean, it was well it was well known at the time, even though the soldiers wouldn't say anything. A lot of people were talking about it. It was too big an incident not to talk about. I think these Romans knew how to kill people. Like well, they, they, well, they were professional. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they were centurions, weren't they? Yeah. Which was, I mean, they were like our special forces. They're the most yeah. highly trained ones well, there. They've crucified people yes. all the time. Yeah, you know, and if you if yeah. you rebelled against Rome, it was a capital punishment, and you was crucifixion that happened. And with Jesus's crucifixion, which is unique from some of the other ones, is he was flogged first. He was whipped first, and Pilate did that. Then, like maybe that'll get the crowd to the satisfy the crowd, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know they would flog you. To the point of death, and then you'd—it would take you weeks and months to to recover just from a flogging like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. the fact that Jesus recovered in three days—if if he didn't die—that's interesting. Plus, when he's on the cross, he's watched by these Roman soldiers, and they're mm-hmm. making sure he dies. And as 
it comes time, they told him, you know, to break the legs of the, of the prisoners, of the people on the cross. They go to Jesus, they see he's already dead. They recognize death. And to even push it the matter further, they shove a, steer, a, a spear in his, in his side. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't... Well, not just in his, I mean, it's in his ribs, yeah. into his lungs. I yeah. mean, if you, if and you he puncture didn't your flinch, lungs, you're, there's you're nothing gone. there. So he was dead. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the pass out That's theory true. could start, you can start from the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweats blood. And the amount, the distance he walked from Gethsemane to the eventual crucifixion site where he was flogged along the way and beaten and had already lost blood. Yeah, he was and, almost dead when and they to put him say on the cross. From then and to be have the strength enough to walk around for 30 plus days yeah. and eat. Yeah. Yeah, that's is unrealistic. Really unrealistic. Nobody being flogged like that could do it. Nobody being crucified if they if they survived could do it 3 days later. Mm. Um, much less um, move the stone after all that happened. Move, roll the stone out of the way and, and, and walk get out. out. Yeah. And so, I, I remember uh, years ago when when Joe was the youth pastor here, he had done a, a sermon one night for us where he was talking about uh, Jesus on the cross and how the way he you're you're up there you can't it's hard breathe. it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to breathe so he's having to lift himself up to take a breath and then go back down and then back up and just. Every time that plays in my mind, it's just it's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Just know, just to to take a breath, something you just automatically do, yeah. and you got to uh, go through all that pain just to take a breath. I guess on a smaller note, you know, they they knocked him around, pushed him around, kicked him around down this uh, Della de Rosa, I guess the, the way to uh, the, the cross. Mm-hmm. They kicked him around, booted him around, pulled his beard out, yeah. called him all kinds of names, uh, bad mouthed him all the way down the line. You know, he took a lot of verbal abuse and uh, not to mention uh, physical abuse. They slapped him around, knocked him around. I know they did and tripped him up. They did all kinds of things on that trip down. In fact, he got to where he couldn't even carry the cross. You know the story. He kind of fell down and they grabbed, grabbed, the, grabbed that other fellow to pick it up and take it down. Yeah, it was a... Anyway, he picked that thing. They told him to carry it. <laughs> he carried it on down there for him. But uh, yeah, it was a tremendous physical thing. He didn't last too long once he got on the cross. You know, Pilate was kind of surprised when he heard. Pilate was surprised when he heard that he was already dead. Uh, he was quite shocked. He thought he'd lasted a little longer than that, but they said he was the prisoner was already dead. That was the word that he got. Yeah. So, but it was a very traumatic thing he went through. Very, very, very traumatic. Yeah, and, they, and it, a lot yeah. of that was pushed to demoralize his followers too. You know. We kind of look at Jesus on the cross nowadays, and it's like this, you know, right, you know, right before you know glory happens. But really, it was a bad sight. I mean, he they they crucified people naked, and you went to the bathroom up there, and it was rough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was to mm-hmm. demoralize his followers. Nobody would be proud of that. And here, you know, it's funny we we, we wear crosses on our necks and we put them in our yards and stuff. But it, it was very demoralizing back then. You know, at a different time. But yeah, I think for that one, he's clearly dead. There's yeah. no question about that. Okay. So what about the hallucination theory, which says that after Jesus had, had died and was buried in the tomb, that the the people the, that say they have firsthand sightings of him, that they were all just hallucinating? Tough to have a, a group of people all hallucinate at the same time for this... At the same time, for the same amount, same amount of time, for the number of days they were with Jesus, and to all uh, evenly hallucinate the same exact things, the exact same things. Yeah. It's 
so there, I guess there's audible hallucinations. You can hear noises that aren't there, and I guess that's that happens. And then there's visual hallucinations that happen sometimes, but it's extremely rare for one person to have an audio and a visual hallucination mm. at the same time. They happen, yeah. but they're rare from what I hear. Yeah. But for an entire group to have yeah. audio and visual hallucinations of the same thing mm-hmm. at the same time. And we're talking hundreds. Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. Yeah. Wasn't it 500 that he appeared to? It's, Spoken it from? Well over 300. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't see how that holds any water at all. And I think the story that they... And we're not trying to set up strawman arguments here, but I think the story they try to set up is that it's um, they were so grief-stricken that you know, they would see somebody in the distance and that they, oh, that must be him. That's Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, for everybody to hallucinate that, that that doesn't happen. Again, the disciples weren't expecting him to rise from the dead. You have to remember, this This is not what their religion was telling them. Yeah, they, This was something new that happened. If, if all of them acted the way they did before, you know, before mm-hmm. the crucifixion, you know, they're uh, denying him, they're mm-hmm. running away, mm-hmm. the whole thing. They obviously were not expecting, expecting him to. If they were expecting him to rise yeah. three days later, they would not have denied him. They would not have run right. away from him. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They, it That just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of details also in the gospel, written in the gospels about uh, him reappearing to his disciples and so forth. The doors were all locked, and all of a sudden he shows up in the, in the middle of them, you know, how to get in with the doors being locked. And also... He told, uh, I think it was uh, Thomas there, not to call him Doubting Thomas, but he told Thomas, he said, uh, come here, Thomas. He said, I want you to put your hands in my, your fingers in my, uh, the nail holes, nail holes in my wrist, and also put your hand in my side, you know, make sure, make sure it's me. And also, I want you to give me a piece of fish to eat. Make me a piece, give me a piece of broiled fish. So they gave him a piece of fish to eat. And uh, he was in the, in the flesh, standing right there among the people. He, he was there. And of course, the wounds were there where he'd gone through the crucifixion. But apparently he was hungry. Yeah, and he was hungry and wanted some food. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, the evidence of him eating the food like any person yeah. would. Yeah. That's, so that's, those are pretty positive things right there, pretty uh, powerful things to think about. As yeah, ev- as hallucination evidence. wouldn't eat food. So. No, that's right. <laughs> it takes quite a hallucination to do that. And, uh, All right, so now we go to the conspiracy theory where they say the, um, the body of Jesus was stolen and hid. Um, what do you think about that, Mr. Mike? Oh well, it, it takes some doing to to hide the body because uh, you know we know we know it was put in the tomb. And of course, the stone, the huge stone, is rolled in front of it. Uh, it's gonna take a lot it of takes guys. several people. Yeah, it's gonna take a lot back. of guys to move that thing. You know, of course, it's possible they could have moved it, I suppose. But uh, hiding it and, and the word getting out, you know, the word always gets out. You got four or five guys that have done something like that. Somebody's going to say something to the girlfriend or something. <laughs> the word's going to get back. Before you know it, they're going to find out where his body is, where it's buried, where it's being hidden. And uh, he wouldn't have, a secret would not have lasted long, I think, as far as hiding the body went. But, uh, yeah, I know it is a theory that I suppose they have. But uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't think it holds much water with me because if, if you know, before he was crucified, they're, mm-hmm. you know, denying him. And then three days later, they hide his body. And then they're so... You know, mm-hmm. adamant that he mm-hmm. rose, that they were killed for it, yeah. they were tortured. They, they, they took it all the like, way to the grave. Yeah, a couple of days ago, they're yeah. like, "Oh no, we don't know who that guy is." Now all of a sudden, they're hiding his body, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you can kill us over it." Like, eh, it just doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody who's sane would. Right. I mean, you can make up a fake story. People do that, I'm sure, but nobody's going to be. 
when you're threatened to be boiled in oil over it, you know, you might say, okay, 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 we, you know, we made it up. Yeah. But these guys, I mean, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. There's, there's a lot of stories in there where people who seen Jesus resurrected from the dead, seen him, who went to the grave in terrible, terrible ways, and they did not say that they wouldn't see it. I think that just doesn't fit with yeah. someone who's going to make it up. Also... It's a weird thing to make up. Imagine the conversation that's happening when they're all gathered together. They're like, hey, we'll just take his body and we'll pretend he rose from the dead. And we'll all make, you know, it's like you have to get everyone to agree to that. It sounds crazy. No one's, again, this is something no one's expecting to happen. They're so distraught and so mixed up. They don't know what's happening. They see Jesus. And even when they see him, they're like, that can't be Jesus. Was that Jesus? You know, they even have a hard time recognizing him because in their head, they're like, no, he's gone. Mm-hmm. But here he is. And which, which of the disciples was it? Stephen refused to be crucified and, and was crucified upside down? Peter. Peter, Peter yeah. Peter, yeah. I, now, that's like according to church traditions yeah. and stuff. So yeah. that's, this is all so, extra biblical um, for who, how they all were crucified yes. or killed. But Peter, yeah, was crucified upside down as the story goes. And you, and you have, as Mike said, you know, it's it's hard for people to collaborate and, and not ever release, not ever you know tell somebody, um, you know, psh, hey, don't tell anybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, this and, is the secret. And the fact that three hundred people saw, and the fact that you know th- he taught and and fellowshiped with them for over thirty days, and then all the disciples still didn't go out in public. Really, you know, it impacted them so much. They were like, "This is it." You know, they're yeah. in the room like, "Okay." You know, in a war room, getting ready to say that we're we're dispersing after this. And yeah, we, I think two of them were like, "Well, I'm going fishing." You know, I'm going back to my old life. That's my answer to you everything. Know? And it's like, fishing. "This is over. I'm going back to my old life." And yeah. as they're fishing, they see you know Jesus on the shore. And they're like, "Is that? Could that be?" And he says, "You know, throw your nets on the other side," which is something he had already done with them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, "Let's try it." And they try it, and it works. Like, yeah, that's Jesus. And they get there, and Jesus has already got a fire cooked. They are going, and he's got fish on the fire, and it's just—it's just an awesome yeah. story there. Just hey, come have some fish. Bring some of the ones you caught. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, the other thing about stealing his body too is that that they had that tomb sealed. The priest made Pilate put a seal on that thing, so that means they put wax over the over the thing, so that if it moved, it would break the wax. They had. Mm-hmm. Roman soldiers on guard to make sure the body wouldn't get stolen. It's weird that they thought that that was going to happen. <laughs> but they put the disciples didn't know that was going to happen, but the priests wanted to make sure. And like dad said, the, that did not work out. And the story that their soldiers told, the priest tried to shut them up. Like, here, here's some silver. Just keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. Let me read Acts chapter one because there, there's something here as well. And it, and it says, um, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And then after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was with them for 40 days. And then he told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came. And, and there's a lot that can be said about that. He was like, don't evangelize until you got to wait. Yeah. If there's one thing men are good at, it's waiting. It's what we all want to be. I want to be a real good waiter. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can, yeah. <laughs> another, another theory that they try to, is, is the myth theory, you know, that it was years and years had passed and they decided to just come up with this myth of Jesus dying and resurrecting from the dead. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. Mm-mm, I haven't. Uh, so the problem with this one would be that um, the Gospels were written in, in within 10 to 30 years after this event had taken place. And so if you think about the time it takes for a myth to get started, like it, ta- it needs time to build up steam and to build up a myth. And 10 to 30 years is not enough time. And on top of that, the letters of the New Testament were written before then, mm-hmm. they think. So it doesn't happen. And, and like you, you were reading Acts and things. Um, but it was like, was it 20 years ago, you said? when the 9-11, yeah, 9/11 20 happened? Years. And yeah. so we, wit- we, didn't, we witnessed it through a TV. But there were people who were on the ground who witnessed the event actually happen. And they'll tell you exactly what happened. And at this point, there might be embellishments coming along, but it's not enough for a myth to to form up that you know the it was actually ten fighter jets that ran into the plane, and and this happened, and that. I mean, there are some crazy conspiracies out there, but well, but one, one thing we have advantage for spreading a myth or a theory or something like that is is we have the ability to spread information a lot faster. Whereas back then they didn't have the ability to, you know, spread information quick. So we could form a myth in a matter of hours, you know what I'm saying? Because we could get it out everywhere. You know, and he told, he tells uh, Thomas, you know, you know, when dad said, put your hands here, you know, see that don't be unbelieving, but believe. And, you know, Thomas at that point, by the way, says the Lord of me and the God of me, mm-hmm. you know, and he declares Jesus is actually is God. And um, he says, blessed are you because you've seen but there are those who have not seen and will believe, yeah. you know, and that's what, that's our role, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, I think, like I said, at the very beginning, we could walk around with our arms folded thinking we know something about the natural world, but we really don't know anything. Jesus was the first fruit of resurrection. It's something that's going to happen to all of us who are followers of Christ. I know we talk about dying and going to heaven, but there's going to come a time where you're body is going to come out of the ground. It says the sea will give up their dead and we'll have resurrected bodies, glorified bodies like Christ did. He showed up in a room with locked doors somehow. He ascended into heaven somehow. Flesh and blood ascended into heaven, if you think about that. So it's, I don't know what the future holds, but it's, he's, you know, we have a garden at the house and um, we just got our first strawberry. It was the first fruit and Josiah and Misty ate that thing. And there isn't a strawberry left on all those plants. It was just that one popped out out of nowhere. And it's like, how long do we have to wait for another strawberry? Mm-hmm. And so Jesus was the first fruit of resurrection. You know, he was the first. And now we have to wait because the time will come when resurrection will be a common thing. You know, and we'll say, well, that's normal. <laughs> you know? Right. I remember when, when CNN was really popular and you could turn it on and see the news happening around the world really quickly and it's like okay the end times are coming because now you you know and now look at how how things have changed i mean immediately 
through Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. You know what's going on somewhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, y'all see this? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Christians through the years have, uh, have thought that Jesus was coming was right around the corner. I guess right around uh, the you know, turning of the 19th, uh, 20th century, turning of the 20th century, early 1900s. There was a lot of Christians at that time that believed Jesus isn't far and coming. coming. He should be any time now. And of course, when Hitler came along, World War II, yeah. they thought he was the Antichrist. You know, and it sure, I would have thought it. He yeah. sure looked like it for a while, I guess. But, but uh, you know, it, it turned out to be not so. And Jesus also said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and these things must come to pass. Many events have to come to pass. And, you know, it's been a long time, and it probably, probably may still be a long time. But technology is moving right along fast, and uh, a lot of things are changing. But uh, the time will come, I think, that... Uh, well, he says to watch Israel, I guess. That's one thing right there. <clears throat> so watch the fig tree, which represents Israel. And when you see the, see the buds starting to come out of the fig tree, it's spring, it's, it's springtime is near, and summer is also near. And, of course, the bearing of the fruit, fruit coming to uh, the figs coming to a uh, full, full uh, maturity, I think that's uh, something we need to watch. And watch Israel. Watch Israel. And I think that's what he tells us to do. Yeah. But, and he, uh, talking about, you know, no, no man knows the day when he's going to come or, I think we worry too much about the end times of the world when it could be the end times for us, per, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like me, I'm, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I could not make it home or something tomorrow or something, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like we worry too much about when the world is going to end and not when mm-hmm. our earthly existence as a, you know, a person is going to end, which could be, mm-hmm. either one of them could be either time, but. <clears throat> That's true. And Josh, I think you you said before you spent some time with some friends that were Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Study. And they, they believe that so Jesus they, came back reincarnated he, as well, they, Michael the Archangel. It's funny. They, It's kind of a funny story with those guys. But there's a lot of other Christian groups, or they call themselves Christian groups, who believe Jesus resurrected from the dead spiritually, not physically. And so... Their story is that Jesus' body was in the tomb and it just God disintegrated it. <laughs> it just evaporated invisible uh, for some reason. And then his spiritual body showed up to everybody and everything. But the problems with those theories are that he ate food, you know, mm-hmm. and Thomas, he asked touched Thomas him. to touch him, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely physical, flesh and blood there. Well, um, I think we did a good job of covering Easter. Yeah, I think it's the greatest event in uh, all of Christianity and all, all the Bible. It's the greatest event that's ever taken place. And uh, I think uh, every Christian should be thinking about the yep. resurrection. And uh, he was, like we said before, he was the first fruits, first of many, which means many people are going to be resurrected someday and come out of the graves when they hear his voice and so forth. It's something for all of us to look forward to. And uh, But it's a, it's a great event, the, the uh, resurrection, and uh, one, of the fun, one of the greatest things that we'll, we'll ever know about in our lifetime. It is the the strangest story how a poor man from Nazareth, who was nobody, was somebody and changed everything. Like this event shook the world. It changed all of humanity. Um, Just that doesn't, you can't write that, you know, it can't make something like that up. It is. So you're you're saying there's hope for a poor boy from Akawaha? Well, (laughs) I could shake humanity. We're we're a shaking world right now. How are we going to come out of it? How are we going to come out of it? Um, What's your your rally cry? Is it Mark 15, 15? Are you going to please the crowd? Or are you going to praise the risen Savior? It's like singing that song now. 
Dang, I think it's a good time to go before people have to hear me sing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. We just want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. The Whatsoever Things podcast is just a group of folks sitting around talking about their faith, and it does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the leadership of Oxford Assembly of God. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe in whatever your favorite podcast application is. And if you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org. We'll see you next time.